Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoyed this message from our midweek service. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoyed this message. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. So we have a lot of ground to cover tonight, and it's just, it's just such an honor to be here. You know, as I, as I walked in the building, I felt like I was walking into a silo of power. And, and I, could almost, I could almost feel how much you've grown in your authority since the last time I was here. It was like walking into, like, a wind that was forcing me back. And it was, it was, it was interesting because it's, it's the presence of God, but it's the presence of God in a way that I've never experienced before. It's different. And I believe that's, that's a byproduct of where you've been, the season that you've been in with the praying and fasting in series. And uh, I believe God is rewarding you guys immensely um, in that. And so I just want to just release what I got during worship and uh, pray that it blesses you all. And then we'll, we'll get into a few different things. And, uh, yeah, so I just want to honor the man of God. He was in Philly, tore it up in Philly. Uh, him and Pastor Lethe, just awesome. You guys are really, really blessed, and we're just glad to have him. He spoke at our evening uh, celebration for our 13th anniversary there, gave a powerful message there, and whet everybody's appetite, but then they had to sleep on that and come back in the morning. So praise God. That was a good way of doing that. And, um, yeah, just a transformative word that he's carrying, and I just really want to honor him and the leadership here. And Rudy, uh, where, where's Rudy at? He's in here somewhere. But uh, Rob and Dave and the pastors and all their wives, and I just really want to honor you guys for just uh, what God is doing here. And I just want to share a quick scripture out of Psalms 127. This leapt in my spirit as I was sitting there. And it says, Behold, children are are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one youth. It says, Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gates. And, I, and what I saw was I saw a picture of a man who was standing with a bow and arrow. And I asked the Lord, what was it? Because what I saw this man drawing back an arrow, I saw all these words behind him, and I saw a word inside of, inside of the, 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 uh, the bow itself. And then I saw words that had went forward, and they were in the ground. And then I saw that there was blank space ahead of that. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what is this? And he says, I am the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He says, and the prophetic words, some of them have been accomplished. Those were the ones that were behind the man. Then the man was sitting there with an arrow, and those were the words that were going forward. And then I saw, like, prophetic promises laying before him. But then I saw a blank space. And I feel like that's the field that you're currently seeding now for a future generation. So I read this scripture because as it says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full, it's speaking specifically about children. But children are a seed. But the words of God are also seeds too. Jesus was not only the son of God, but he was also the word wrapped in flesh. 
When we get words from heaven, that's God. In, he's, he's entrusting us with a seed to deposit in someone's spirit that it would grow and, and bear fruit. So what I saw was I saw you are in a season of drawing back and releasing not just sons because you have sons that are going out to Washington and San Antonio. And you, you had a son who just came back who was up here in worship. So you're sowing sons. But I, I see you, I see you just really seeding the field of prophetic promise for a future generation. And it just blesses me. It blesses me to know that there's a house that's thinking about legacy in this in this city. Amen. And so really quick, I want to share something with you. It's, I, we didn't even work it out this way. Uh, I just happened to be uh, coming back down here to do something. And, and Apostle Omar was just like, hey, why don't you come on through? And I said, sure, I'll, 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 I'll be an honor to always, whether it's worshiping with you guys or ministering. I just love hanging with you guys. I love you guys. And uh, if we could just throw that image up. Tonight I'm carrying a word that the Lord began to stir in me last Saturday. And... The, the, I'm going to explain this picture in a moment, so don't get too distracted. But the word that I'm carrying has to do with transition. It has to do with how we transition. So it's interesting that I'm here in a season where we're about to have a, a son's transition. They're about to go as offspring into another land and begin to take territory for the kingdom. Amen? And so we currently find ourselves in the Hebrew year of 5779. Now, in the Hebrew... Uh, the Hebrew language is actually three languages in one. There's the phonetic, numeric, and pictorial. So there's actually no numbers in Hebrew. There's letters that have a number value. You follow me? Okay, cool. So basically, as the rabbis get together, they discern what year it is according to certain events. And so we just got a 2010 to 2019 was a decade, okay? And that was the decade of... Ion, that's the number. So the number seven, so it's five, seven. This, the third seven is a decade, all right? So it's 10 years. A decade's 10 years. So we're going from 5770 to 5779. But that decade was considered to be Ion. And Ion has to do with being able to see into, into the heavenlies, to gain pr prophetic perspective. The Bible says that the sons of Issachar, the anointing that was on their lives, was to be able to discern the times and the seasons. And the reason why that's so important is because if we don't know what God is doing, how do we understand how to appropriate ourselves in a given season? As children of God, we have to know what the Father is up to so we truly can be about his business. But if we're not aware of what he's doing, then we can't appropriate ourselves to be a part of that work and truly be co-laborers with Christ. Amen? So we're now transitioning out of this decade of 5770. Okay, the ion is the, is, is the I. But we're transitioning over to 5780, and that has to do with pay. And pay has to do with actually the mouth, which is why there's a lion there. It has to do with an authority. It has to do with prophetic release. And so the reason why I'm sharing this is because I don't know how many of you know this, but we are currently in a transition week. This week that I happen to be, which it just so happens to be, the week or the seven days leading up to this Sunday which is the Hebrew calendar new year, 5780, which is not opening up just a new year, but opening up a new decade. The reason why I believe I'm here is because I'm on assignment to help you become aware of what's about to happen. 
there's about to be a transition. So when you look at pay, pay has to do with the speaking authority. It has to do with releasing the kingdom. It has to do with the prophecy. And it has to do with song. And I believe some of what we heard up here today is just the beginning of some things. I really do believe that prophetically speaking, that there are going to be songs that are going to come out of this house. There are going to be worship sets that the worship team is going to abandon because they're going to be able to see what God is doing, and they're going to be able to articulate the happenings of heaven. And they're going to do it by way of song. And there will be songs of healing and deliverance. Okay? Now, some of you may not understand exactly what I'm saying, and that's okay. I want you to know, like, that is okay. But talk to your leaders, because I want you to really understand how important it is, because we need to trend, okay, with the Hebrew calendar. Why? Because we've been engrafted into God's first people. And so if we want to understand the promises that have been given to God's first people, we have to kind of like study them out and truly understand what it means. And so if I say to you the word shalom, many people don't know this. Hi, Madison. Many people don't know this, but the word shalom is actually four uh, letters. And it's shim, lemon, vav, and mem. Now watch this. I want to teach you how important it is to study some of this stuff out, especially for those of you who consider yourself to be prophetic. Shin has to do with three teeth, like a three-prong. That's the, the letter has literally three prongs like this. The next one, lemon, has to do with the shepherd's staff or the authority. The letter valve means connection or connecting, and mem has to do with chaos. So when I say shalom to you, you may think that I'm speaking peace. I'm saying nothing broken, nothing missing. I'm saying no war, prosperity, uh, liberty, freedom of violence and stuff like that. But actually, if you study the word out pictorially in the Hebrew, what I'm saying to you is, is that there's an authority that is there to pretty much crush the three teeth devourer. Okay? And, 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 and to sever any ties or connection to chaos. So it's four letters that make up the word shalom. So when I'm speaking to you is I'm releasing the authority of heaven to come against the devourer and the destroyer to sever any ties to any type of chaos. And it's bringing about order in your life. Amen. And so as we begin to move into this, this new decade, I just want you to be aware because there's been a season of seeing, but now there's a season of declaring. And I want to remind you of 1 Kings 18 because it says that Elijah was with the servant and he sent him up to go look. And he was looking to see if it, was, it would rain. And he came back and he said, what? There is no rain. And pastor, he sent them back up. And it says that he sent them seven times. Ion. Seven means you just see. But when he came back down, then he began to articulate. I saw the cloud the size of the man's fist. So he went from seeing, look, 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 to now declaring what he saw. What does that do? The very next step, you, the very next thing you read is that he actually now moves to action. And it says that Elijah says, go tell Ahab to ready the chariots. So that way they can get out of here before the rain starts coming. So what you see is you see the seeing, and then you see the declaring, but then you see the moving to action. I declare that over this house, that you are moving transitionally 
from seeing a thing to declaring a thing to mobilizing a good work here in Atlanta in the city of Paramount. That's going to be a citywide transformative work. We are in a season of transition. And the thing about transition is that you have to understand that change happens outside of you, but transition actually happens inside of you. If you actually switch your, if your banks merge, your bank signs a document, the bank changes its name. The bank has changed, but there's a transition that still needs to take place. They need to let their staff, their clients, their customers, and their partners know that there's been a change. And they need to begin to transition. When a woman is with child, she can have a child, there's a change. But as individuals, the mother and the father have to transition into these roles and begin to understand that's where you are. You're in a season of transition. Sometimes you get changes that are outside of you, such as a new boss, a new house, a new car. And those things change quickly, but then you have to learn how to work this new car. What are the bells and whistles? Where's the gas tank at? You ever buy a car and pull up on the wrong side and then have to get back in it? There's a few of you in here, huh? So transition is something that happens internally. It's the internal process by which we come to terms with our new uh, situation. And so that's where we are. So I, I want to really just, I want to focus on one particular scripture. And you can take this picture down. And we're going we're gonna to begin to just read a, a quick story so we can learn some things about transition. Transition actually has three phases. And I'm going to go through each one of those phases. But there's one phase that's often abandoned, and it's the most important. And when I get there, I want to talk to you about three keys that, 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 that are given to you. Three keys that God has given you to unlock that door to make way for that transition. Amen. Turn with me to Luke 2, verses 41 to 52. And we're going to read this. And it says, every year, say every year. Every year the parents of Jesus went to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. It says, when Jesus was 12 years old, they went to the, to the festival as usual. When the festival was over, they started back home, but the boy Jesus stayed in Jerusalem. His parents did not know this. They thought about it when they, when they were with the group. So they traveled the whole day, and then they started looking for him among their relatives. They did not find him, so they went back to Jerusalem looking for him. And on the third day, say the third day. The third day they found him. And it says, <clears throat> On the third day, they found him in the temple, sitting with the Jewish leaders. And it says that he was listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his intelligent answers. His parents were astonished when they saw him. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been terribly, uh, terribly worried trying to find you. And this is what he answered them. He said, why did you have to look for me? He said, why did you have to look for me? Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? But they did not understand his answer. So Jesus went back with them to Nazareth. And it says uh, where he was obedient to them. It says his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Another version says that his mother kept all these things in her heart. And it says Jesus grew both body and in wisdom, gaining favor with, the God, with God and with people. Father, I just pray 
right now that as we're here, that you would just illuminate your word in a new way tonight. Father, we declare that your word will go forward and reach the hearts of men and women who currently find themselves in one of three places in transition, God. Father, we honor you tonight, and we just ask that your presence would flood this place, God, and continue to just fill this room in a greater measure. And we thank you for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I want to talk to you about Jesus, and I want to I talk to you about this moment that Jesus is actually in the temple. And it says that he was traveling with his family, and he went to Jerusalem. And what was interesting about this story is that if you weren't necessarily in Jerusalem, the law didn't, like, require for you to be there for the Passover festival. Where he was at was Nazareth. It took five days by way of foot to get to the Passover festival. Then the festival itself was actually eight days long and then five days of travel back on foot. The reason why I'm pointing this out is because I want you, I'm trying to pick a picture to help you understand how faithful his family was. Because it says that they traveled there every year. Which meant that this was a journey, this was a sacrifice. It was three days of pay, three, three weeks of pay almost. And it was 10 days of walking on foot. And it says that they journeyed there, and they went there specifically for Passover. And Passover is actually a celebration. It's just, you know, it's the spirit of death passing over. It's, it's, a, it's a celebration of the exodus of the children of Israel out of Egypt. So Jesus went to Jerusalem to celebrate a previous historic transition. But what we find as we read the story is that Jesus was actually in transition himself. I think it's important for us to understand how we celebrate transitions oftentimes unlocks the door for how we ourselves get to transition. And so it says they went to this place and they were there and then they, they had the celebration. And then something really interesting happened. They started journeying back. And it says that after about a day, they recognized that Jesus wasn't with them. Now, before you throw shade at Jesus and judge him for being a kid who was probably running around reckless and not being with his parents, to me, what this, what this spoke is that Jesus wasn't a child you had to worry about. It was assumed that he was traveling back with the pack as he probably normally would every single year. This is not something that was new. This is something that he did for 12 years of his life. They went and they celebrated this festival. So I find it really interesting because it was after a day that they realized that he was not with them. And then the scripture says that they had to go back and they had to actually find Jesus. And when they found him, he was actually not like at some playground, you know, messing around on some watering hole or, you know, looking for food. He was actually in the temple with the leaders. And it said that he was sitting there and he was listening to them and asking questions. He was pretty much having dialogue, conversation. The word, the living word of God was standing in the temple having dialogue with the Pharisees, those who would actually crucify him years later. It's really interesting because as I read this, I, I, we learned a few things. We learned that when Jesus went into this temple and his mom came looking for him, he says, she says, why, why, why are you here? Like, why, 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 like, in other words, why do we have to come back for you? And he said, 
didn't you know? Like, why, why, didn't, why, why are you looking for me? Didn't you know I would be in my father's house? So what Jesus was doing was he was letting his parents know, I know that I'm the son of God and that you're actually not my real parents. <laughs> Do you get that? Look at what it says. I'll read it again. It's so interesting. He says, why did you look for me? Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? Transition. The first supernatural thing that happened with Jesus was not laying hands on someone and them resurrecting or, or being healed or raising from the dead. The first thing that happened to Jesus in the supernatural was actually him recognizing and getting the revelation that Joseph was not his real father, although he was his earthly father. But that his, father's, his father in heaven had placed a demand on him in that particular moment and had him stay there so that way he can begin to share, share and, 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 and go back and forth with the very ones who would someday crucify them. So here's what I want to tell you about. You know, when it, when it talked about Jesus actually asking questions, to me it shows that he was fully human and he was in a growth process. It said later that he grew, but that he grew in wisdom and understanding. It says he grew in favor, which meant that he wasn't fully wise yet. There was a process that he had to go through. This is Jesus we're talking about. And so some of the same people who were crucifying him were some of the same people that he was actually learning from. He was sitting there breaking bread and learning from these people. It was a whole full day before he came back. It said, look for him for three days. They journeyed back a day, but they found him on the third day. That to me was a foreshadowing that Jesus was going to go missing for three days. But eventually when you found him, he was fulfilling his God-given purpose. And so let's talk about these three phases of transition. And you're, and you're good. Yeah. Um, we could talk about the three phases of transition. The first phase of, of any transition is always going to be the end of something. Okay? And the end of something is so important because the end of something is what actually determines how fast you get into the next part. And so I'm going to name the three, the, the three phases, and I want you to write them down if you, for those of you who are taking notes, and then I'll come back and I'm going to fill them in. So the first phase is going to be the end of something. The next one's going to be neutral zone. And then the next one's going to be the beginning. So the end of something. So sometimes we have to learn that whenever God is doing something, and he's bringing an end to something, like we have this couple that's going up to Washington, it's important that we celebrate them in their transition. It's important that they celebrate in their transition. Why? Because they, their transition actually affects everybody around here. It affects all of you. So how well you, you celebrate them, it's really a depiction of how well you yourself will be celebrated when it's time for your transition. And I don't mean just a physical transition. Sometimes there are promotions that are available to you in the spirit, and you won't get it released because you didn't honor someone in their transition. It could be a transition physically. It could be a transition spiritually. It could be a transition of actually favor or power or anointing. But if you're not careful, you won't transition into that new thing because you did not end the lasting well. Sometimes with transition, we have to mourn. For a wife who loses a husband, she has to mourn. For any parent who loses a child, they have to mourn. 
For any person who ends up in divorce, they have to mourn. There's a season of celebrating, but there's also a season of mourning. So depending on what type of transition it is, there's a process by which we need to, we need to have closure and end that particular season that went before. So when Jesus said, didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? Pretty much what he was saying to her, in other words, Joseph as my father, this is the beginning of his transition. As my earthly father, this is the beginning of his transition. Now I'm about to reveal myself. But it's going to take 18 years of him being submitted before he actually goes and gets baptized and goes into ministry. I want to talk to you about what, 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 what happens in the end? Oftentimes in the end, people that are around you are affected by your transition. People sometimes approach you with obscurity because they don't know how to interact with you because of your transition. People are sometimes going to say that they miss you because of your transition. You ever, you ever be at home for a long period of time and then you decide to go away and everybody and their mother decides to call you? And they find out that you're somewhere far. And then they say, what? I miss you. And I was always like, when I was there, you never said anything. <laughs> or your friends, right? They see you post something like, oh, you're over there in California. I miss you. And it's like, when I'm there or when you're there, it's like, you don't hear that. But distance kind of creates a new, a new desire for longing. And so make sure you celebrate these couples well because they're here today but they have a mission and assignment, and God has anointed them. And, yeah, I just, I just blessed by your obedience. And I feel like God is sending you like a, a Barak and a Deborah into a land of Jezebel and Ahab. I really do. And I feel like he's planted a JL there, one who's prophetic, who uh, will strike the head of a nail with pinpoint accurate, and it will take out principalities. I, I really do feel that. And so the next part, so we go from the end, now we go over to the neutral zone. And the neutral zone is a really important place, right? Because this is a place of uncertainty, obscurity. This is a place where most people abandon or they abort the mission. Why? Because they're afraid or concerned that they're not going to be able to make it through. There are two perspectives that you can have when you're in the, when you're in the, uh, uh, the neutral zone. You can adopt. You can adapt in a neutral zone, and you can approach it from a faithful place or a fearful place. Some choose to approach it from a fearful place, and they abort their mission because they have, they have too much, uh, they, have too, they don't have enough courage. They have too many different concerns that are just kind of weighing in their hearts. There's this inner tension that just prevents them from being able to trust God for the next thing. Others take the posture of a faithful servant, and they approach the neutral zone like you guys have been, with praying and fasting. Seeking the Lord, being led of the Lord, recognizing that the place of renewal and, the, and, and that this is a place of renewal and also of development. This is also a place where creativity comes to life. Why? Because you don't have all the answers. So the way you begin to move in a neutral zone is much more different than the beginning or the end. When something is ending, you already know what it was because you've already gone through that season. You're ending it. When something's beginning, God has already illuminated and shed light on what that something that's beginning is. And therefore, you approach it not with a mystery, but with a confidence. In the neutral zone, things might be dark. And I don't mean dark as in evil. I don't mean dark as in wrong. I mean dark as in you may not know what's coming next. God will be a lamp onto your feet 
or a lamp onto your path. A light onto your feet or a lamp onto your path. The difference is, is that a light onto your feet can actually shine a few feet, but a lamp onto your path can actually illuminate the whole path. So you see a little bit sometimes, and sometimes you see a lot more. It's in the seasons that you have to be careful that you're not taking steps without him highlighting them for you. And then there's the beginning. And this is the place usually is celebratory. You've already went through the end of a matter. You've already went through the neutral zone. And now you're at the beginning of something. And you begin to see what it was that the Lord had been doing in you and prepping you for. You begin to see the promises. You begin to see that God is actually taking you to a destination. Things become clearer. You feel prepared. You feel that there's a grace on you. And you begin to move into the, to the new thing. And, and, and what, what I want to say to you is the, the story about Jesus and his family. I want to go back there for a moment because I thought it was interesting that his family transitioned and then they had to come back and then they got Jesus and then they transitioned again. And I think that for us as, as believers, we, whenever we transition, we need to look for Jesus before we transition. Because if you don't look for Jesus when you transition, chances are you're transitioning without him. And whenever you transition without Jesus, you start your journey, but then you have to come back and then you have to find Jesus. It's almost like a reset. So if you don't honor God and how you seek him through these steps, if you don't honor God how you go into your, 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 your ending a thing and in your neutral zone and the beginning of a new thing, chances are you're going to have to reset that particular phase of your, of your entire transition. So Mary and Joseph had to come back and reset their journey. There was time loss, energy loss, momentum loss. And that's, for you leaders, that's really important. Because when you've been entrusted with a position of leadership, it's important not to cost your leaders, your set man, and your house, your family, time, energy, and effort because you move not being led by the Spirit. Even Jesus himself was led by the Spirit. It says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You know what that was? That was the neutral zone. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. And I think it's just so beautiful because, you know, when you think about all that happens in the wilderness, there comes a point where he's actually right back in the temple as an adult. The very temple. And Satan tries to tempt him there. And he, and, he, and, he, and he shares the scripture. I think it's so important for us to realize that sometimes, like, we have to arm ourselves with the word. Because what Jesus is showing us in that particular scripture, and that's going to be in Luke chapter 4, what you find is that sometimes we begin our journey into the wilderness, but we, we don't have a word to cling to. And if you go into your, your wilderness season and, you, and you're not clinging on to a word, when, when temptation comes, you're more susceptible to fall to it because you don't have nothing to fight it back with. And if you think about what Satan did when he showed up to Jesus in the wilderness, he actually began to quote scripture because he knows the word. So if you're not armed with the word, how are you going to do battle? So it's so important for you to continue to pray, continue to fast, and continue to just arm yourself with these words. There's three things. These are the three keys that you should know. So right now, we're, we're in, these, in these next couple of days, my goal is to commission you to look out the windows of your life into what God is doing in the heavenlies. 
Did you get that? I want you to look out the windows of your own life. In other words, take the focus off yourself for the next couple days and begin to look and get a glance at the heavenlies. Because what he's doing is he's giving you windows, but on Sunday there's going to be a door. The Hebrew New Year is actually Rosh Hashanah, which means the head of the year. You think about a baby, a baby comes out head first. As the head comes out, then the rest of the body follows. The way you start this year off on Sunday is going to be the way the rest of your year ends. The reason why I'm saying that there's a window moment is because you can't walk through windows. You can only view through windows. But then God will set a door in place so that way the very thing that you've been getting perspective of, now you begin to walk toward because he's opened a door. On Sunday, there's going to be a door. On Sunday, there's going to be a door. I said on Sunday, there's going to be a door. And this door is going to be available to you. And it's important that you understand that um, when it comes to the things of God, like the way you start a matter is very, very important. And so I don't know what things may be as you begin to look out the windows of your life. You need to get right with people in this room. Maybe family members. There's people that you need to forgive for stuff. Maybe there's some leaders that you just need to go back and repent to. You need to maybe set up a meeting. Maybe you want to, like, honor God and give an extra gift this weekend. I don't know what God is going to speak to you, but I want to commission you to go and seek God for what it means for yourself because you're all in some way, shape, or form in transition in one of these three phases. Three things that you must remember specifically in the neutral zone. These are three keys in the neutral zone. So we're approaching this door. If I'm going to go through that door, that's me giving my God a yes. And if I'm going to give my God a yes, well, then I I better be ready to respond to whatever it is he's asking me for on the other side of that door. So what are some things that are going to be essential when you walk through this door? Well, the first key is going to be your identity. As we look at Jesus in the temple the first thing we see is that he identifies himself in his relationship with God the Father. So identity is going to answer the question, who am I? He said, did you not know I'd be in my father's house? In other words, didn't you know that I'm the son of God and I would be about my father's business? And so for many of us, Identity is going to be one of those things that's really going to be the place that we live from. Like, you, you need to have that solid because if you're going to approach things boldly, you have to have a sense of reassurance that this is something that God is calling you into. It can't just be a, a, a good feeling that you have or goosebumps that you have. You need to know that this is God. The second thing that you see is a sense of belonging. And, and belonging answers the question, where do I fit? Belonging answers the question, where do I fit? It says because Jesus knows who he is, then, he, then where he belongs is clear. He says, didn't you know I would be where? In my father's house. So where he belonged became very clear because he understood who he was. If you don't understand who you are, where you belong will not be clear. So you will find yourself in various places at various moments, totally missing God because you're not where you belong because you forgot who you are. 
So what we see with Jesus is Jesus is sitting in there and he's articulating and going back and forth with these guys because that's where the Lord had him. That's where God the Father had him. He placed him in that moment in time to specifically begin to have dialogue because he was gauging the atmosphere and the culture of what was happening in society in that particular day. So Jesus was catching some some. He was catching the briefing on what was happening in the temple and what was the mindset of the Pharisees. What was the mindset of those who actually uh, uh, occupied the temple and, and ministered there? And the last thing you need to know is, and this is the third key, is your purpose. So where identity says who I am and belonging says where do I belong, purpose answers the question, why am I here? In other words, it was inevitable to find uh, him dis- discussing uh, with the theologians and the experts because he was a little boy, and they were a learned people. But I will say this. If, you go, if you're going to be a doctor when you get older, chances are you're going to go to school, and after you get done your schooling, they usually have like an internship or I don't know if they call it clinical, but then you end up in a doctor's office or some type of a, a hospital. Same thing for uh, lawyers. They go through law school, they go through college, and they go through law school, and then they go into uh, and become interns and paralegals. So in other words, he was being prepared for what was to come. And I feel like in this room, there are a lot of people who are being prepared for what's to come. And you find yourself in a neutral zone, but many of you may be fearful of what's, what's going to happen next. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that you're, you're being asked to trust God in a new way. There's a new level of faith that's required for where you're going. And I just want to encourage you, if you ever have trouble or if you're ever struggling with trusting God in a season, I want you to look back at his track record on your life. It's pretty, it's pretty impressive. He's never failed you. In fact, when you failed yourself, his divine prominence came in and flooded your life. And truly what you experienced was how all things that were intended for evil work out for the good of those who love him. So things that were misplaced, things that were misappropriated, things that, you know, you probably should have said yes to that you said no to and things you should have said no to that you said yes to. But God comes in and finds a way to work it out. Whether it's in, your, in you and your spouse and your children and your family, God finds a way. The minute you start honoring him, the minute you repent, He begins to just bless you and work it out for you. Amen. So that's the neutral zone. Now let's talk about the beginning. The beginning is when you're entering a new thing. And it's important that when you enter a new thing, that you have a solid understanding of what you're moving into. You don't ever want to move into a new thing alone. I think it's so important that as you move into your new thing, that you surround yourself with people who have ever, who, who have been there before or people who are, understand, who are understanding of where you're going. It's so important that when you enter into the new thing that you do so with the blessing of, of, of your leadership, that when you move into the new thing, or, or even if you feel like God is doing something in your life, 
that you just put a phone call into a a friend or an intercessor or a prayer partner, and you say, hey, can you just kind of cover me? I feel like I'm in transition. I feel like God is about to move me into this new thing, whether it's a new role at a, as, as a, at a job, whether it's a, as a parent, you're, gonna, you're about to have another child or your first child, whether it's about moving into a new relationship. It's important to when you move into a new thing that you do so, and you do so from a place where you're being covered. So when you're, when you're in transition, it's important to ask the question, where is Jesus? Because the question you ask there is going to stop you from ask, having to answer a bunch of other unnecessary questions. If you start with Jesus and you're having dialogue with him, it's, it's, like, it's like walking with your friend. And you're just kind of walking along and, and you're checking in every so often. And this is what I'll say Jesus is the chief architect. Is he not? And if you know anything about architects, after they draft up something and it's done, it goes to the builder. And the builder begins to build, but then they go back and they look at the plan. And then he begins to build, and then he goes back and looks at the plan. And you see that there's incremental progress, but the builder is always going to refer back to the plan. Because he wants to make sure that whatever he's building looks exactly like the plan. Because if what he's building doesn't look like the plan, then the architect comes and he says, that has to be taken down. Anybody in construction in here? Anybody in construction? A couple guys back there, okay. So you guys know what I'm talking about. If you build a wall and it's supposed to be 10 foot away from the outside wall and you build it 15 foot, you now just compromise space, useful space, for another portion of the project. So you have to tear the wall down and move it. Jesus, as the chief architect, has written up a plan for each of your lives. And you're building it. But when you don't go back and review the plan, you can build and begin to build without him. In life, we are always building. Whether you're building with him or not is the difference. But if you build too long without looking at that plan or without consulting or talking to Jesus you can begin to build in the wrong direction. This is a transition word. Maybe you got it figured out already, and that's, and that's absolutely fine. But I'm here to let you know that this is a season that you need to be checking on what you're building, and you need to be looking over at the plan. You need to be making sure that the specs line up according to his will, his ways, and his word. Because sometimes we can say we know the word of God. And sometimes we can say we know the will of God. And sometimes we know the ways of God. But I always say, if you're going to do a, if it's a lifetime, if it's a lifestyle change, it, it needs to be all three. When someone is ministering, they should be ministering in the word of God, the will of God, and the ways of God. You should be feeling loved and, and cared for and compassion and honor because that's who he is. So going back to the building, there needs to be a checking of the plan so that way you build. So when you begin to build, it's important that you spend a lot of time with Jesus so that way you get a full understanding of what it is that he's trying to do in this new season that you're transitioning into. Amen? I've been in seasons of my life where I'm guilty of getting excited about a new thing. And I begin to build. And I begin to cast all this vision. But the Lord says about those things that were built in the flesh. And honestly, he doesn't honor it. And then you got to go back and you got to make things right. 
But you have to get to a point in your life where you don't want to build unless it's building with him. You want to get to a life where you're journeying with him. In other words, you want to get to the place where, where when you're about to transition, that you make sure that he's with you. Because if you transition without him, you may think that you're walking with him, but instead you're actually just taking a walk by yourself. You're transitioning by yourself. And in many, and in many ways, this house is in transition. In, trans, in, in life, we go through transitions such as uh, the baby leaving the security of a womb coming out into a world. We see transitions like uh, a baby going from, from, from being a baby to eventually going to school. From going to school to eventually going to high school or, and then going to university or college or maybe even to the workforce. We see the transition of a child into an adult. We see singles get engaged and get married and, and then become mothers and fathers. We see people transition from, uh, you know, being uh, people who don't have work to having work to becoming full-time to retiring and then doing like my parents, just going out and having a good time on a boat every day. (laughs) It's it's so funny. Like, I get a call at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday. It's like, what are you doing? I'm like, working. And they're like, we're about to go on a boat. You want to come? I'm like, you're retired. I'm not. What's happening in that moment? What's happening in that moment is that they've transitioned. But they don't understand how the transition affects everyone around them. Not everyone is as free as them. Not everyone is as available as them. As much as I would like to be and go out on a boat and go fishing. Like, that's for you guys to do and enjoy. Why? Because they've done what they've had to do. Amen? And so as we're here tonight, I just wanted to just really encourage you because I really do feel that there are some... um, there's some people who are in one of three of those places. And uh, I really feel like I, I just want to pray with some of you. I feel like there's people who are definitely at the place where you're ending a thing. And these guys are proof of that. I, 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 really, I really mean that. I, I really feel like you're, you guys are ending well. I feel the pleasure of the Lord on you guys. Linda, I feel like you've been a, a secret intercessor. And I feel like, like God is just like smiling down on you. And I just feel like I don't want you to have any reservations about what you thought what could have been when you were here. You did what you were supposed to do. Some of that was reserved for where you're about to go. And I, and I really, yeah. And so you guys are, are, are good and faithful servants, and you're, you're ending a season well. And I just, I'm honored to be here and to see that this is actually, I was at your conference when you guys announced it. And to actually see uh, this is just really special for me. And believe it or not, I'm, I'm looking at you guys, and what I see for you guys is so much greater than any prayer you've ever prayed. Because when you prayed something, it went into the spirit, and it was almost like um, God just touched it, and it just kind of multiplied and became confetti. And now it's like, there's, so there's like prophetic promises that literally are like all over in that land that's been seated for you and waiting for you. I also hear this. Um, there are prayers that other people prayed about that land that men and women of God came and they were supposed to fulfill. And because they either got tired or discouraged or something happened, they abandoned that assignment. And I feel like God is now going to deliver that to you, but it's going to come with the grace to accomplish it in in, in a very, very like, uh, uh, yeah, I just see it's going to be, it's going to come without effort. It's going to be from the place of rest and victory. And I also see like God just really just providing the resources to be able to get those things done. And I feel like because you do it, you're not only going to get that person's portion who that was assigned to, but you're going to get your own. So there's a double portion anointing in the land. 
Yeah. But you're going to have to fight. But you've been prepared to fight. Yeah, you've been prepared to fight. Where's Rudy at? Is he still here? Brother, I'm sorry. He's like, bro, I'm right here. Yeah, um, I just see you as the worshiping warrior. I see you the ones with, with, with your hands up. I just, I really feel the, the builder anointing on you. And I know that you work in lighting and all that, but I feel like this is, this, this is I feel the builder anointing on in you and your wife. I feel like you guys have a way of taking things that were uh, really ugly and you have a, a way of walking into bad situations and actually making them beautiful again. It's, it's an anointing that's on your life. It's almost like you're, you're really crafted with your hands, but God is anointing your, your hands in this season to take pieces and fragmentations and almost bring together things that were shattered and broken that don't look like they belong together, but I see them forming a mosaic. And it's like this beautiful piece of artwork. And I just, I just see you and your wife just really just assembling that thing. And I, I, really, I really feel like worship. Is that, is that, do you worship? No? I really feel like something you're moving into. I feel like, yeah, I just, I just see like you're moving into some worship, some form of worship. I don't know if uh, that's an instrument or something, but I really do feel like that's something you're going to begin to move into. And I feel like God is going to use you to prophesy in your worship. Um, for Rudy... I really feel like the builder anointing has to do with Nehemiah. And, and Nehemiah says that, you know, he, he had the shovel in the hand. He had the word of God, but he had the shovel in his hand. And it's a picture of someone who's ambidextrous. You can go with your right hand or you can go with your left hand. And I feel like it's, it's kind of that deal. Like you're going in there and, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a power that you pack. And, and it's with either punch. But I really, I really do feel like you're going to have to move some things around and I feel like you're really going to begin to kind of restore the breaches in that city. There's some major breaches. There's some leaders who have fallen. And I feel like you're going to begin to restore some of the trust that have been broken as a result of where you're going. You're going to where? And you're going, or you're going to Texas. So there's some leaders who have fallen. I feel like you're going to come and begin to restore confidence and restore trust. And I feel like God is going to begin to send you. I see like a bunch of millennials. There's like there's like a, 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 a people who, it's, it's a generation that's been orphaned, is what I hear. It's, it's a generation that's been orphaned, and I feel like the Lord is about to just release you into that. And you're going to be like a big papa bear. Yeah, and, and, I, and I feel like God really is going to use your worship to whisper. God's going to use your worship, and he's going to begin to whisper to you in your worship and what he's going to whisper to you is actually uh, what to do with the workers. And I almost see like a beehive. It's going to be a flow of kind of like everybody knowing what their responsibility and what their roles are. And I see that what's going to, what it's going to produce is something sweet like honey, but something that doesn't go stagnant. Honey doesn't go bad. Do you know that? Yeah. Honey never goes bad. So I feel like what you're going to do is never going to go bad. Uh, Omar, yeah, I was in the office with your dad, and I was, I was talking to your dad, and, and, and I, I really felt like the Lord was doing something. Can you stand up so I can see you? I want to see you. I love you, man. Yeah, I, I really feel like the Lord is just really, I, I, I saw him like almost like pushing on the walls of your heart. 
I said, I'm really just expanding your capacity of your heart. And, and, and the Lord says, I, I, I'm, I'm making room for a greater deposit of love. It was almost like the chambers of your heart were beginning to grow. And I'm like, Lord, like, is there something wrong with his heart? He goes, no, his heart is pure and his hands are clean. And I was reminded of the scripture where it says, uh, who shall ascend the mountain of the Lord? And it's he who has clean hands and a pure heart. The glory, the glory. I see you going to the top of the mountain. And you're going up there and you're coming down with songs. And there's songs about who God is as love. It's almost like an R&B song, but it's not. <laughs> but yeah, and I really felt like, and so I told your dad, I, I, you guys are going to get to the place where you're going to abandon song sets. I see you getting up here with a set, and then you're just going to trust each other. It's going to be such a flow. And I really feel like uh, you guys are going to defer to one another because of honor. I feel like honor is such like, honor is a currency. And I, I really see like, as you honor and defer to one another, almost like you did tonight, uh, Carly, when, when you were up here, I, I just really felt that. I saw the young lady take a step back, and I saw you come up, and I saw what I was speaking to him about in its infancy. But there's a supernatural and exponential kind of uh, maturity or maturation that's going to take place with this whole team. And I feel like every time I come here, I got a word for your team. But I really do believe that there's a prophetic release that's coming over this house. And I believe that your season of fasting and praying has been kind of like the seedbed for a lot of that. But worship precedes the prophetic. And so it's entering into the presence and really honoring God and, and really getting before the Lord. We come boldly before the throne. We hear from him. And then we're able to articulate just kind of what God has to say. And I really feel like there's an anointing on this house, this worship team, and I feel like you coming back, that you're carrying things, and I feel like there's, there's like meetings that need to take place maybe with key people to begin to almost pray and strategize for what this is going to look like in the upcoming season, because this house is not what this house used to be, not even three weeks ago when I was here. It feels different in here. And I'm not saying that because there's cool keys playing in the background. I'm, I'm trying to be super spiritual. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it feels different in here. I can feel the power. And you guys are rested. Like, it, you, you may feel like, man, like, we're just kind of like chill. You may feel really, really mellow. And it's because you're rested. And, and your battles are from, from rest. And because they're from rest, you're not going to have to fight for those things that are already yours. It's just you're taking them back. And I feel like in this city in Paramount, God is doing a, a really unique work. And I, I know about the prayer and all that. And um, I really feel like um, God really just wants to, to bless this house. I feel like you guys are our pillar in the city. And there's some great things that God is doing here. And so um, here's what I want to do real quick. Can we, can we just, like, um, all stand up? And if we can get the worship team up. I give you a word, I might as well activate you, right? And uh, I, I really, I mean, I could get into prophesying and all that, and that's great, but I really just want to agree with you about wherever you find yourself. And I really want to just encourage you um, 
that as we leave here, that you take the next couple days and you begin to seek the Lord for what does it mean for you to start off the head of the year this, this weekend? You know, if you add the numbers together, 5780, you get 20. What year are we going into? 2020. 2020 is a year of perfect vision and clarity. And so we have the mouthpiece, but we also have 2020, which, which is a symbol of perfect vision. Eagles have 2020. Eagles are prophets, and so there's the capacity to see into the spirit. And so I feel like there's such a clarity that's coming over your house. And even for you and, and Pastor Letty, uh, Pastor Omar, I feel like God is really going to begin to whisper to you about just things that are going to happen next year, and I feel like you need to prepare for that. I feel like you should probably even sleep with a, a pad and a pen next to you because some of what's going to happen is going to happen in the wee hours of the morning. He's going to wake you up to have conversations with you. And it's going to be in a place of intimacy where he engages you. And there's certain things that he's going to begin to say, not just about this, this, this house, it's about this city. And these are some of the things that you'll probably go into meetings with and begin to discuss with other people. And you don't necessarily need to say how it all came to you, but I feel like God is going to entrust you with scrolls of strategy for your city. Yeah, there's scrolls of strategy. He's going to begin to define what you see and the vision you have. And I also feel like provision's coming. There's vision that hasn't been fulfilled because of provision. And I feel like God is really just, there's some things that are happening right now in the spirit and there's some, some finances that need to be freed up in order for you to really run and do some things. And I feel like God is going to provide a provision for the vision. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.